you have your Bibles, please go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It's the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, and he's prophesying the coming of Jesus. And he says this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so for the past weeks, we've been uh, on a series called The Four Gifts of Christmas, and we're unpacking uh, this prophecy from the prophet Isaiah, talking about these four names of Jesus. And so today, we're going to talk about the concept of God being, for us, an everlasting Father. And so I want to be careful when I talk about uh, God as it relates to, to, to fatherhood. Because when I say the word father, for some of you, it conveys a very positive image. But when I say the word father, for others, it, con- it can convey a very negative image or somewhere in the middle. You see, when you think about father or even the absence of a father figure in your life, it is connected in an interesting way to your concept of who you understand God to be. You see, for some of you, you grew up with really strong father figures. For others of you, you grew up with very weak father figures. And some of you here grew up with really no father figure at all. See, some fathers were present for you. Some fathers were absent. Some fathers were nurturing. Some fathers were indifferent. Some fathers were loving, some fathers were violent, some fathers were a good influence, and some fathers were a bad influence. Some fathers felt safe, other fathers felt threatening. Some fathers were providers for you, other fathers were selfish. Some fathers stuck around, other fathers left. And some fathers are still alive, and some fathers have passed away. So I want to acknowledge this before I jump into just explaining God as a, as a father. You see, I, when I grew up and I heard about God like a father, to me it was very simple. God, you know, father, and immediately the image that I had in my mind was a, a God who would uh, provide for me and a God who, who was always present. And the reason I made that, that assumption was because that's how my earthly father is. And so immediately I make that that connection, and the same is true for you. You see, that's what I learned is that people, people, all of us, you know, we we tend to equate our understanding of God as a heavenly father with the reality of our earthly fathers. That's why that's the image that I that came into my mind when I thought when I thought about God as a as a father. But the problem is that the reality of, of fatherhood for all of us is very different. And here's the principle. If you grew up with a father who was absent, you're going to have a difficult time seeing God as a father who's present. If you grew up with a God, sorry, if you grew up with an earthly father that was indifferent, you're going to have a hard time understanding God as a God who is nurturing. If you grew up with a father who was violent to you, you're going to have a hard time understanding God as a loving father. If you had a father who was a bad influence on your life, you're going to have trouble understanding God as a father having a good influence on your life. And we can go down the list, but we'll understand that whatever our earthly fathers were or failed to be is going to be the tendency of how we tend to understand God as as a father. However, Isaiah, regardless When he talks about God, he says, God, Jesus, is your everlasting 
Father. And so I want to explain this a little bit because when he says everlasting father, he's talking about a father who will never leave you. He's talking about a father who will always guide you. He's talking about a father that will keep you safe. He's talking about a father who will remain close to you even in the hardest of times. But I do, of course, want to, want to acknowledge that, that some of us have trouble reconciling the truth of God with how we sometimes feel about God. You see, sometimes we assume that what, whatever it is that we feel about God is the actual reality about who God really is. And it's really hard to argue what someone feels. You know, it may seem obvious, but, but we often believe that, that perception equals reality, right? Like we think that if we feel a certain thing, that means that that thing is actually, is actually real. And so if I feel God to be far, then we assume that he must be far. We, we think that if we feel that God's going to let me down, then that means that he will actually let me down. Like, like we assume that, that if, we, if we feel that God is going to leave me, then that means that he's actually going to leave me. Now, you may feel that God is a certain way. You know, you may have this feeling about what, what God is, and, and that feeling may, may, may take you to actually believing this about, about God. But the reality of who God is, is found in this book. This is going to tell you who God is, no matter how you feel, what this book tells me about God is who God actually is. And this book tells me that he will never leave you. Hebrews 13.5. This book tells me that he is your provider. Matthew 6.25. This book tells me that he will never stop loving you. Romans 8.38. This book tells me that God is an everlasting father. Isaiah 9.6. And this book tells me that not only is he your everlasting father, but he calls you a friend. Which is so insane. It's so crazy. And I want to talk about that a little bit. You'll find that in John chapter 15. Actually, let's, let's go to John 15.15. 15. John 15.15 15 says, says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, I no longer call you servants. I no longer call you servants, he says, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You see, he is our everlasting father, all-powerful, but at the same time, he calls us friend. It's a really interesting combination. You see, the best relationship that you can have with your son the best relationship that my father can have with me is not only that he is my father, but that we are also actually friends. And I can tell you, I'm very fortunate. Because my father, my earthly father, not only is he my father that I highly respect, but he's also my friend. And if you have the privilege of, of having that, consider yourselves very blessed to have a father who's actually also your friend. My dad and I, we talk about ministry. You know, I'm a fifth generation of pastors. He talks to me about his dad. We've been doing ministry for a long time, and we can talk ministry. We're friends, and he's my, he's my father. And so I was thinking about this this week, and I had a very sobering thought. I go visit my dad 
Well, my mom and my dad. I'll say my mom and my dad because she'll watch this and she's like, hey, you didn't mention me. <laughs> and so uh, I visit both of them, but this is, you know, the concept of father is what we're talking about here today. I, I visit him every March and my dad is 73 years old. And so the, uh, the, the average lifespan of a male in California is 76 years old. And it just dawned on me. This is the thought that I had. If he, if he dies at the average age, I'm going to be able to see him three more times. It just dawned on me. You know, my dad wants to live until he's 100. And I don't know if he'll make it. I hope he makes it, but the way he eats, I don't know. <laughs> so I'm, I don't know. I'm not saying, you know, God can do a miracle. But, but, but the, th- the reality is, the reality is that even if he does live to 100 years old, it's still not a lot of time. There is going to come a time when my earthly father will leave this earth. As much as that's going to hurt. But here's the thing. That, that, that our earthly fathers will leave us sooner or later, but God is everlasting. Our God, our, our heavenly father is everlasting. He will always be with us. He'll be here forever with us. He's never going to leave us. And not just a father, but he's also closer than a friend. You see, this is the God I want to remind you of today. I want to remind you of who God is, of how close God is, and the fact that he's not only an everlasting father, but he's also close to you. You see, I grew up in church, you know, and I I thought I knew God. I really did. Um, You know, as I said before, I've been generations of pastors, Bible stories, church, Christian school, you know, everything. I thought I knew God. Until there was a moment in my life when a situation got pretty, pretty desperate and I realized that what I had was just information about God. I didn't really know God personally. And this is a problem. You know, we even read about it in the Apostle Paul, you know, Pharisee of Pharisees. He, was, he had all this knowledge about God. He had the, the Torah memorized word for word. He had all this information about God, but on the road to Damascus, he has an encounter with Christ, and he realizes in that moment, I had, never, I had no idea who God was. You see, the same thing can happen to us in church. You know, we can come to church every Sunday. We can have all these scriptures memorized, but we need to realize that there is a big difference between knowing about God, having information about God, and actually have met God and had a relationship with him. So that's, that's the invitation today that God, our everlasting Father, King over everything, ruler of all, is inviting us to actually get to know him. See, there's a big difference. I can have all the information about, let's say, the President of the United States. I can know everything about him, his favorite food, his upbringing, schedule, his hobbies, his history. But if I go to the White House and I say, hey, I'd like to meet the president, he's going to look at me, you know, secret service, whatever, like, I, he can't see me, he's never met me, and if I see him, I can say, well, I know all these things about you, he's going to look at me, he's going to be like, I've ne- I didn't never knew you, like, I don't know who you are, and we find this sobering scripture in Matthew chapter 7, where, where Christ is talking about this very thing, that many will come and say, you know, hey, we know each other, and he's like, I've never, like, I don't, never seen you before, I don't know who you are. And so I want us to think about that because we may assume that because we have been coming to church all of our lives, or because we know a lot about the Bible, or we have a lot of information about all these Bible stories, which, by the way, is very helpful, but that does not equate us actually knowing God. 
So my question to you this morning is, do you know him? Do you, do you know God? Um, the question this morning is not, are you saved? That's not the question. The question is, do you know God? The question of salvation is a different question. So I want to make this, this separation. You know, because the, the myth is that we many times think that knowing God is an event. Like there's this moment when I know God. And some of us, we call that baptism. Like the moment of baptism. Hey, that's the moment that I look back to and I got baptized. And so that means that I, that I know that I know God. So I want to make an example so we can understand the difference. So with weddings, I think I might have used this example before, but like, but like weddings, there's a difference between a, between a wedding and a marriage, right? So, so that's, it's different. They're two different things. So a, 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 a wedding is a moment in time where you get married. That's a, a wedding. But a marriage is a relationship that develops over time. The same thing with baptism and knowing God. So baptism is the moment when you're like, okay, I'm committing to God, but then knowing God is a relationship that develops over time. And it's important to make this distinction because I think sometimes we get confused. You're like, yeah, Josh, do you know Jesus? Yeah, I know Jesus because I got baptized on March the 29th, 1984. Or you say, hey, do you, do you know your wife? Yeah, I know my wife because we, we got married on October 26th. 2002, like we both went our separate ways, but we got married, right? That's impossible. That doesn't mean if you got married and then you both went your separate ways, that doesn't mean you have a relationship. There's no relationship. You got married. Maybe you got baptized. You look back, but do you have a relationship with God? That's the question I want to ask you today. You see, that's the invitation today. Your everlasting Father who is constantly available for you, is inviting you to become close to him. He's going to be here forever, and he wants you to be with him in a relationship. You see, I love the image that Jesus uses when he talks about our connection to him. In, in John chapter 15, he's talking about this intimacy, like I am in you and you are in me, and we have this relationship that we're, that we're together. It's a beautiful thing. He says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Like, we can have this conversation, this interaction with Jesus. This is the will of God. That is the will of God. He wants to be close to you. And so, big question here now is, okay, so how? Like, how, how do I become close to God? How do I become close to Jesus? How do I become Jesus' friend? And the answer to that question may come as a surprise to you. Because there's an if linked to it. There's a, there's a conditional thing that Jesus puts in front of us in order for us to be able to have this relationship with him. It's conditional. It says we can be his friends and know him if we do the following thing. This is not a matter of salvation. It's a matter of intimacy. In fact... The thing that you need to do to get back his friendship, maybe you had it in some moment, you had this closeness with God, with God and you don't feel that anymore. The, the thing that you need to do in order to, to get him back is the same thing that you stopped doing back in the day when the relationship started to, to go you know, separate ways. It's the same thing. John 15, 14 says this. It says, you are my friends 
if you do what I command, if you want to be close to Jesus, you got to obey him. Isn't that crazy? I was saying, can you imagine friendships would be like that? You know? Hey, Ronnie, I want to be your friend, but you got to do everything I tell you, or we're not going to be friends. That's a weird kind of friendship, right? Like, like I don't know if that would work in an earthly matter, but Jesus tells us, you want intimacy with me? Do you want to be close with me? Do you want to walk in step with the Spirit? Do you want me to call you friend? You have to do what I say. Now, why would he say that? Well, the reason why he, he says that is because what he's saying is, trust me. Look, you want to get to know me? I'm going to ask you to do some things. And the things that I'm going to ask you to do sometimes aren't going to make any sense. But hey, guess what? If you do the things that I'm asking you to do and they don't make any sense to you and you do them anyway, guess what? The result of that is you're going to see, holy cow, I did this and look what happened here. Now I know who God is. You get a glimpse into who he is and then you do the next thing and then you do the next thing and then you do the next thing. And the more things you do in obedience to God, the closer you're going to feel his presence. That's the invitation today. Because you can flip it too. Like it can be the other way around. The reason why maybe today you feel far away from God is because maybe at one point you were obeying. Like he, did, he asked you to do this, you did that. He asked you to do that, you did this. You read it in the scripture like, okay, I'm going to make all these changes. But now you feel far away from God. Why? Because you stopped obeying him. You're like, oh, that one's hard. that's a hard one. I don't know if I can, you know, and so you kind of stop. Maybe you keep coming to church, but you're not in step with the Spirit, listening to Him and obeying. Listening, obeying. Listening, obeying. If you want to be close to Jesus, that's the type of relationship that He is inviting you to be a part of. John 14, 23 says this very clearly. It says, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. 1 John 2.4 says, Whoever says, I know him, hey, I know God. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth isn't in him. So tell me how much you obey God, and I will tell you how much you actually know him. And if you say, I know him, but you don't obey, you're lying. You don't know God. Because the way to know God isn't through information which is helpful, but the way to actually know God is when you obey him. Then you actually know who God is. It's impossible to know God apart from obedience. The more you obey, the closer you will be with God. You see, he's ready to come close to you. He's ready. He's waiting for you to come close. But there's one condition, and it is trust. You see, this is why in Acts 2.38, Acts 2.38 says this. Peter replied, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is Jesus in you, right? Jesus in you as a guide, as a comforter, Okay? He, he'll show you. He'll convict you of sins. He'll, he'll tell you what to do. Some of you guys need to be baptized. For some of you, that's the moment. Is you want to be baptized. Maybe you're here today, and your next step in your relationship with Christ right now is baptism because that's where it starts. And then the Holy Spirit is inside of you, and then he starts to, to guide you. And the relationship develops over time, putting you in situations where he's going to say, hey, you know what to do. You go and do that thing. And then you have to make that decision. 
over and over and over again because the relationship is going to be tested. Be like, okay, you following me? Let's go. Do this thing. You have to make a decision. You go and you do it. It's weird. It's exciting. You go for it, and then you're like, man, I did it. And then you get to know God better because you're able to see him come through in your life in very special ways. That is the life that we're called to live. See, when you're placed here in the, your life with Christ, you, are, you always have two choices. So you trust and obey, or you do it your way. You trust and obey, or you do it your way. You've got these two choices in front of you every single day in relationships. What are you going to do? Like, you've got this thing, like, God is calling you to, to ask for forgiveness for something. So like, what am I going to do here? Am I going to trust and obey, or am I going to do it my way? Decisions, challenges, like, in life, he's going to invite you to obey even when it's hard. So what are you going to do? Are you going to trust and obey, or are you going to do it your way. Also, when you read the scriptures, you know, James talks about reading the Bible and, and talking, he talks about the Bible like a mirror. Like you look at the Bible and you've got like this mirror. So it's not that just you're reading the Bible, but you're also letting the Bible read you. That's what, that's, that's what, that's what meditation on the scripture means. Not just you reading the words, but, but letting those words in a way read you and show you who you are. And, and James says, you know, you read it and then it's like a mirror and then you can see yourself through the scriptures and the scriptures will challenge you to make certain changes. And you can make a decision. You can either like say, oh man, that's pretty bad. Like I need to change that. You can just like, yeah, whatever, walk away from it, or you see the thing that you need to change, and you're like, man, I got to change that, or I got to do these things. This is the invitation when you read the Bible, in circumstances, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, what are you going to do? Like, what kind of a Christian life are you going to live? Are you going to be a nominal Christian that comes to church every Sunday, or are we going to really get into this thing and really listen to God, and not just listen, but obey and walk with Him? That's the invitation today. How are we going to live our Christian lives? The more you trust and obey, the closer you will become to God. See, the problem is that many of us stop at one point. Like, we've stopped at one point. And I guarantee that that is the moment when your relationship with God began to wane. Over time, he felt far away again. So he maybe challenged you to trust him in an area that was too hard or felt like it was too difficult. Some of you guys look back at a time when you were on fire for God and you were so close to God and you had this friendship with God and maybe you look at your life now and it's a little bit different. And I tell you right now, it's not God who's changed. God never changes. The question is, have we stopped obeying him? God did not walk away. He's here now. He is your everlasting father. He isn't going anywhere. But now it's, uh, it's God that is calling you and me to rekindle our relationship with him this morning. For some of you, God just, he, like, he misses you. He's like, miss, he misses that relationship that you once had with him that now is different. And he's waiting. So the question is, how do we live this life? Well, it's obedience no matter what. You just obey. Just, just God tells you, and you go and you do that thing. You may think about that Christian life and say, man, that life seems like a drag. Like, really? Like, am I going to live my life just like, oh, man, just like doing everything that God asked me to do? That just seems so hard. 
You see, that's one of the biggest misunderstandings that we have of the Christian life. And I'm going I'm to end with this. You see, I believe many of us have a profound misconception of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Because the moment I start talking about obeying God, even when it's hard, you're like, man, I thought this life was going to be better. He's going to ask me to do things that I hate. Like, I don't want to do this thing. And I don't want to live that life. Some of you guys have a, an understanding of the Christian life of just basically, you know, you get your salvation and you try to hold on to your salvation and suffer through life until finally you can leave this place and go to heaven. Guess what? That is not the Christian life. John 10.10 10 says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that you may have life. And have it to the full. You see, I used to think that that scripture was talking about the afterlife. It's not talking about the afterlife. It's talking about now. The invitation of a life of obedience is a life where you can live it to the full. You see, I had everything backwards growing up. I really did. And the more I studied the scriptures, the more I realized how backwards everything was. I thought it was like this trade-off. So it was either, either you suffer here and have a great time in the afterlife, right? Or you have a great time here, but you suffer in the afterlife. It's like, which one do you prefer? Like it's, you know, regardless, it's going to be great in one place and it's going to be horrible in the other place or it's going to be horrible here and then you're going to be able to enjoy the rest of your life. That is nowhere to be found in the scripture. When Jesus says, I have come that you may have life, he means here. It doesn't mean an easy life. It means a life of purpose to where he can extend his kingdom through you. And the only way that he extends his kingdom through you is when you become the hands and feet of Jesus. And if you look at the life of Jesus, it is not an easy life. But there is no other life that has ever had the purpose and the impact of Jesus. We're called to be that to sacrifice for one another, to, to be the first ones to ask for forgiveness, to be the most generous people that anyone else knows. That's the invitation. And so John 15, 11 says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. James 1.25 says, but whoever looks intently into the, the perfect law, right, that gives freedom and continues living in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it will be blessed in what they do. So the promise is when you obey Christ in everything, he's inviting you to live the most joyful life you could ever live and the freest life that you could ever dream of. That's the invitation of Jesus. That's the invitation of our heavenly Father that is always with us, who will never leave us. An invitation to a life of obedience will give you access to the full life of connection, of friendship, of purpose, hope. You want this, and so do I. So I'm going to ask if we could have a moment here, if we could um, just we could close our eyes here for a little bit. This is a moment just for us to meditate a little bit on what we've heard and I'll say a few things and then we'll, and then I'll pray at the end. So maybe you're here today and 
and there's something that happened in your life that's made it harder for you to trust God. Maybe you had a father figure that was just not in keeping with who God truly is. I think that for some of you, God wants to restore this today. Maybe you're here and you still believe, you're still saved, you still love Jesus, but you know there's more. And your life maybe these days is sort of like the, the passion and the drive and the, everything has sort of like gotten into a comfortable pace. But you know there's more. This is what I believe God is telling you today. He wants you to trust Him again. He's your everlasting Father. He wants to be close to you again. He wants his son back. He wants his daughter back. And so, I know that for each one of us it's different. But I believe every single person in this room today has a next step to take. Whether it's you make the decision to get baptized, which we can do. Maybe it's apologizing to someone. Maybe it's forgiving someone. Maybe it's having a conversation, phone call, reorganizing something in your life. I don't know what it is, but there's something that God is asking you to do that you know what it is. You know you need to do it, but it's hard. It feels hard, difficult. I want to invite you to take that step today because you cannot know God unless you obey. Everything else is head knowledge. But truly knowing God comes as a result of obeying Him even when it's difficult and then watching Him come through for you. So Lord God, I, I thank you for the message today. I thank you for just everything that you've given us. I thank you because you allow for us to have the possibility, the option to connect with you, to, to come into this relationship of love with you. I pray, God, that you will speak to each one of us here, that you'll speak to each one of us this morning as we have areas in our lives in which we know that you're inviting us or calling us to obey you because we want to get to know you. And I pray that you'll allow for everyone in this room today to know what that step is and to take that step to walk into a deeper, more intimate relationship with you. And that's my prayer this morning. We thank you so much and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.